All right, episode 35 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I am Travis Jadon. Big, big episode today with me as always, Spencer Maddox. Yes, sir, Travis. So today we've got our interview with Russell DeMossi, offensive coordinator of Savannah State University, or co-offensive coordinator of Savannah State University. We're really excited about that. Uh, we're going to break down some NFL, uh, but first, Georgia just absolutely got murdered. Dude. Yeah, we, we won't spend long on Georgia-Florida since we're recording this on Thursday, November 12th, obviously several days away, but I think more importantly than Georgia losing to Florida is that the entire SEC slate is basically banged yeah. this weekend because of Corona. Uh, if you're Georgia, I mean, sort of you could use this extra bye week, I would think. I know you don't want to sit on that Florida loss for too long, but they get Richard LeCount a little healthier, at least a week healthier. Uh, other guys like Julian Rochester will be healthier. But yeah, that, that was a beating against Florida, and I think what we saw is that Florida has caught up to Georgia. I'm not ready to say that Florida has like surpassed Georgia it's one year. in the SECs. For sure, it's they one beat, year. What have they but been, I mean, four years, straight years? Yeah, and it, my point is it's not like that anymore. Okay, those were, the, those were those years, and that's fine, but it won't be like that for at least the foreseeable future, at least the next few years. Florida is going to be right there. Yeah. It won't be Georgia and everyone else in the SECs. True. Now I think it'll be Georgia, Florida, and everyone else. In the SEC East. It's going to come down to, I mean, if they're recruiting similarly, it's going to come down to who's got the better quarterback play, and clearly Florida has that right now. Yep. And will for some time. So that was the 99th meeting of Georgia and Florida in Jacksonville. 99 is a number. 61 is also a number. 61 is the age that Linda Cohn, Sports Center anchor, turned this week. And it made me put on our doc, Spencer, to talk about, because I've always wondered, and I've been fascinated with this, is, is Linda Cohn hot? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of like those mysteries that you've always one of the great pro- mysteries yeah, in all of sports. You've always said it to me, and um, I've never had a great answer for you. But looking at her picture here on the dock, I mean, that's a hot sixty-one year old. I think I'd- Linda Cohn is hot, but look, I can be convinced either way. If someone came to me with like, you know, like parameters of beauty, like what what are, what are the actual points of beauty? Okay, if, maybe they could break it down. If for this me. woman that I'm looking at, Gray Radio here, if this woman that I'm looking at. In that dress, walks up to you at the bar. Different question. That's a different question. Entirely. No, it's not. Is she hot? Is she hot implies something, right? Yes. It implies that you would do something. Correct. So but, if this woman walks up to you at the bar, long legs showing, she's rocking the heels, she's got that fierce... The answer is yes. The okay, there we yes. go. There we go. Before you even ask the question, the okay, answer is yes. Okay, so... Is... I think that... I think she's hot, dude. We Maybe can quali- for- we can make it easier and say, is she hot for a sixty-one-year-old? Absolutely, that's a, that's yeah, a that's definite a, that's yes. A, that's a banger, home run. Is she hot? However, I guess it's you know, that's for the people. That's to for debate. the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For we the should, people, we should put a poll up in, in in various saloons across the country. I'm pretty debating. sure we would get canceled immediately if we put a <laughs> "Is Linda Cohn hot?" Who are the? Uh, who, let's debate the final four college football playoff teams. No, 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 no. First, you tell me, friend. I'll tell you if you're a sports fan or not. Is Linda Cohn hot? <laughs> and if they have an answer in less than three seconds, they're not a sports fan. Correct. Um, but they are a Linda Cohn fan. Yeah. Linda Cohn, happy birthday. Sports Center anchor. Over 5,000 episodes of Sports Center she's anchored, which is nuts. Um, We're the- catching up to her here on the Hot Grids podcast. <laughs> yeah, though. we are not far. Episode 35 right here. Bangers on deck. Just rolling right along. Uh, we're recording right now during the first round of the Masters, uh, the People's Champ. Four under Tiger Woods right now is through 16 holes. Um, three under, tied for third. Paul Casey, seven under. Um, on hole number 18 seems to be the clear favorite to be leading after the first round. They had to start late today, so they'll start early tomorrow, Friday, uh, in round two and hopefully catch back up by the weekend um, by the time they make cuts Friday night. I'm going to be pulling for Tiger all weekend long because I'm a red-blooded American. Who do, you got, who do you got money on? This I've weekend? got I've got Tiger. I've got uh, hey, these are all odds. I'm assuming. Yeah, Bubba okay. Watson. Um, I, I, I bet Bubba. Yeah, I've got I've got one more that I'd have to look up here, but Tiger and Bubba were the majority of my money. I yeah. think I got Bubba at forty to one. Yeah, I got Bubba at something crazy. I think my odds were even better than your odds on Tiger and Bubba. Just the website that I use. Yeah. Strangely enough, when Sergio Garcia that was weird withdrew. Right? Well, it was because of COVID reasons, but... Oh, Patrick Reed. That was the other guy. Patty Reed, yeah. former champ. Here's yeah. my uh, philosophy for betting the Masters. Never, ever bet someone outside the top 50. 
because they don't win at the Masters, period. Never, ever bet someone who hasn't won the Masters. Now, this year, eh, it's a little different because there's no fans. So I think that plays a role. But rarely will you see a dude winning. I mean, I mean, it's not rare. I shouldn't say that. But like more often than not, people that win the Masters have either top three before, yeah. been, been in contention, or they've won it before. Uh, it's the same course every year. Zach Johnson comes to mind as a guy that was like outside the top 100 or something like that. And he won it, right? Yeah, that's our good good buddy Brian Sigmund's favorite favorite golfer is Zach Johnson. Really, real weird. Yeah, well, what, what's guy. what's uh, super shocking to me is that Jordan Spieth is ranked top eighty in the world right now. I just looked that up because I was curious. His odds were astronomical this weekend. I like, like Jordan Spieth now. You know, I used to hate Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I mean, he it's, was he's like he's likable when he's like been kicked and like he's been down. Kicked. Yeah, and now he's still out there grinding. He's playing in yeah. like the Shoney's Open. I mean, he, he plays every weekend. He's grinding it, and you can tell well, he's, he's got to. When you're outside of the top fifty, you don't get those automatic berths to like the WGCs, the uh, you know, yeah, the, the bigger tournaments like that that really matter for the the points. Yeah, and we should say that um, our our title sponsor, Coach's Corner, has a new show that, that will be breaking down the Masters and golf in general, the 19th hole. So check them out. Um, you can find them through the Coach's Corner facebook page um, i'm super excited for that that's awesome yeah yeah they have a cool setup out there and i think they recorded their first episode on wednesday yesterday so they recorded from uh coach's corner yeah i think they're doing it just like carl demasi and chad griffin and, and then the rubbing and grubbing guys as well you guys know all about them the nascar show rubbing and grubbing carl demasi and chad griffin handle your local sports um Spencer, are you fascinated or bored or don't give a shit about bryson dechambeau and, and the entire storyline revolving around this guy i don't like bryson dechambeau i don't root for him i think he's a nerd but he's most definitely a nerd but the 45 inch driver that's the longest you can have right i'm, I'm 48 is the longest i believe okay but he's he was considering toying with the 48 he, he did not carry it today in his bag okay that but, doesn't mean you can't carry it but his driver is going to be the longest one out there right um that's why it's a big deal I think it's a big deal because all of his clubs are the same length. Right? Okay, okay, but okay. the big deal is that he he put on all that weight. Yeah, he's he's driving the, last, the ball like yeah. four hundred plus yards. Yeah, and he's like the par four third at Augusta, three hundred and fifty, shortest par four in the course. Three fifty is not by any means like a yeah. massive shot on the PGA Tour, but today he drove it right down the middle and and was within three feet of driving the green. So. Um, Still took part. Still took part because then he, he had to wedge. Which, I, here's here's my take on Bryson DeChambeau, dude. He could be so cool. It could be so cool that he's got all the same length of his clubs. It, it could be so cool that he hits the ball 400 yards. But he wears those hats, man. And whenever he like talks to people, like almost eat, like he just sounds like a brat. You know yeah. What well, I mean? also like, all that shit he complained about with the yeah, media that wasn't a good a look few either. Ago. He doesn't want golfers to be shown in a negative light. Well, dude, then don't hit bad shots. What are you talking about? It's like, also that he's like trying to like spread his dogma to like other players on the tour. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to get people to convert to what like he's, he's doing. one of the disciples. Yeah, like he's bringing them weird. the good news. That's weird. It's yeah. almost like I don't know. You think you're better than us, guy? Well, th- that's why like someone like Bubba Watson is the antithesis of uh, Bryson DeChambeau because yeah. this is a guy who looks. I mean, when you look at him. It looks like he's never been in the gym before. Yeah. That's probably because he's rarely in the gym. Yeah. And he still slings it all over the golf course, hits it a mile off the tee, and he's more of the people's champ and the people's guy than a two-time Masters champ, by the way, has won, uh, I think, a dozen times on tour. A dozen tour wins, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Bubba Wyson's my pick, and and he's also just... He hasn't won in some, quite some time, though, right? Well, no, but he's coming off of two. Back, he's coming off of back-to-back top ten finishes. I think fourth at the Zozo. So, well, I think we know who I'm going to be pulling for, though. So, who's I mean, that? I, Bubba. I mean, I got the majority of my money on Bubba. I, yeah, I only bet eyes. one. I only bet Bubba this time around. I, I, and I'm doing some DraftKings lineups. I got Finau and and two lineups. Uh, I, I, think, I like Xander Shoffley this week a lot. I think you've said this before, though. You you would pull for Tiger if it was Bubba and Tiger tied. It, it, you know. Yeah, if I had money on Bubba. And I do have my money on Bubba. So if it's Bubba versus Tiger down the stretch, I'm still rooting for Tiger. Really? Yeah. Even though you'll make like X amount of like $500? It's not like a small amount of money. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would like to say I would root for Bubba. Maybe I would. I don't know. I, I guess we'll wait to see. Um, what, Once you do, the sports fan in you has died. Like, you're at <laughs> yeah. that point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it hasn't already 
begun to wither away. But <laughs> um, one more thing on the Masters, Spinny. Are you at all interested to see what it looks like Sunday final round Masters versus the NFL? Head-to-head ratings and, and, and whatnot. I think we'll Masters, get those, we'll get I, those next week. Of course, I'm super like interested to see. I think the Masters is going to hold its own. I you, think any other golf tournament would not, but the Masters, absolutely. Do you think it's a coincidence that the Falcons are on a bye week this week? Mm. They'll tell you it is. I don't know. There ain't no way in hell that Atlanta, Atlanta's pro team, gets a bye week the same week as Augusta. As Yeah, that does seem a little fishy, but I mean, there's no fans there. so It's, it's like, not like, I mean, it's just like the Falcons don't want to compete with. True. Yeah. I, w- I would assume most of the people watching, or the highest number percentage of people in any given state watching the Masters would have to be Georgia, right? Because most of the people that would go this year or every year, they're definitely watching if they're not there. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. I do feel for the people of Augusta, though. That's what are you doing, like chewing on ice. Yeah, I was taking a little bite. Go ahead, just a little nibble. I was. <laughs> I would. Uh, I do feel for the people of Augusta, though. That's like their. St. Pat's or like, you know what I mean? Like that week and a half that they've got all those players in town is huge for the economy. So that really sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, it does seem a little fishy that the bye week is on Masters week. That doesn't seem like a coincidence at all. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm excited to see that. I think the Masters app is awesome. Uh, you can watch the Masters, obviously, through the ESPN app as well. Um, but yeah, this is one of those tournaments and, and one of those sporting events that is pretty easily followed, watched, um, tracked in, in basically any way you want uh, you want to do it. So speaking of speaking of uh, Sunday though, look out Falcons, man. Well, look the, out Falcons. Yeah, was that th- was that three straight? No, two straight. Don't call it a winning streak. Yeah, the don't Falcons, call it. the Falcons could possibly be good at football. Don't let us win this one. <laughs> Anything can happen. Uh, do you think that uh, Do you think that the Falcons versus Saints in two weeks? Is that the is that a game that like could turn the? I mean, it feels like if the Falcons were to beat the Saints after what the Saints did to the Bucks, and and they they torched. Oh, if they beat the Saints, I'm completely on board. This is no longer a joke to me. Yeah, but you're easy. You're easier to put on board. Are, well, as in terms of like writers on board, no, no, I'm I'm talking about in terms of my betting spirit because I put like, you know a little bit of money on them to win a championship when they, when no one was picking them to do it. Oh, no way. That's the first time I've heard that. You, you made a futures bet. <laughs> if, if they, if they do it, then I'm on the train, dude, I'll be hyping it up on Twitter. I'll be acting like I'm the smartest guy in the world. If they make the playoffs, forget about the NFC championship, if they make the playoffs, I will be like, I'll be so obnoxious about it. I promise you that the listener. So don't worry. But yeah, I, dude, if they beat the saints, it's real, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think mean, if you beat the Saints, that's a real, that's a, that's a legitimate win. Whereas these, I mean, every other win they've had has been, eh. I mean, they've lost in more impressive ways than they've won. Yeah. For me. But I mean, I keep looking at it. And it's like, man, if if Dan Quinn wasn't the coach in those games, like exactly, you, think- you, you 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 may end up looking back and and being like, damn, Artie, holy shit, mob star Artie Blank. Yeah, mob star. No, he's not a mob. He's not a mob star. He's a mobster. Mobster. Yeah, he's he's way too OG for that. He's not he's not into the flashy lifestyle. He's a blue collar billionaire. We got to circle back real quick. I forgot one thing about the Masters, but it inter- intertwines with football. Okay. College game day on Saturday at the Masters. Did you know that? No. College game day is going to be set up at the Masters on Saturday, Whoa. and they will broadcast their their, you know, one of the most popular sporting shows Whoa. in history. Will be broadcast from probably the most historic sporting venue in America. Uh, on what's, Saturday. What's the Saturday night game? I don't know. No idea. Huh. But the broadcast will be regular broadcast. So from nine to nine to noon, they'll be on live from Augusta. So that'll be David Pollock. That's crazy. Kirk Herbstreet, uh, Chris Fowler, Lee Corso. Lee Corso's at home. Des- yeah, Desmond Howard. Well, you, Lee Corso will be there, won't he? No, he's he he live streams in. Wow. You haven't seen that. I have. He, but he does I, the he does the the, so the mascot head like at his own house. All right, so that's what I wanted to ask you. If Tiger is anywhere in near contention, Lee Corso is putting on a Tiger head at some point to, Saturday, right? right? Yeah. Because who? What else would he do? Put on like a DeChambeau hat? <laughs> like what else? What do you he, call those little hats that he wears, man? I call them like the paper boy hats. The like paper. The kid in the extra, extra. Yeah, read all about it. 
Yeah. No, no, no. The Bryce are home from war. Nobody's putting on one of those except my dad. See, that's why I hate Bryson DeChambeau. Is he's got my dad wearing those hats, man. No. Yeah. He's worn one like a couple times whenever we've gone. I think he calls it his driving hat. Like a, a, a driver's hat or something like that. Like someone that would drive a car? Yeah. Or like drive a golf Yeah, ball. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, my dad's, my dad's bald, so he's always looking for, like, dignified hats. Right. And he's he's an older gentleman, but yeah. I'm and not a fan a of this hat. he's a dignified gentleman. Yeah, so yeah, He's a dignified hat to go with it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of this hat. Dignified gentleman. You know who's a dignified gentleman? Who's that? Johnny Carr. John Carr Real Estate in Savannah. A dignified man that knows his stuff about houses. If you're trying to sell a house, buy a house, uh, or just learn more about the real estate market in general, you need to call John Carr in Savannah, 912-228-0916, or visit him at 6349 Abercorn Street. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Go like his Facebook page, John Carr Real Estate. That's the best place um, to kind of see what John's been up to. Uh, And basically what John's always up to is selling houses for people in the Savannah area. So check him out today. Um, Spencer, we talked last week about Tony La Russa, and I think we might have been a little ahead of the curve because we talked about how it was ridiculous for the White Sox to sign Tony La Russa as their manager because he was seven years old. Um, We did not touch on his DUI a long time ago because I had it on the dock too. Because I just didn't feel like it was really all that relevant. But boy, was I wrong. Yeah. Because it turns out it's a bit of a thing with Tony Larusa. And when you look at Tony Larusa, he looks like the kind of guy that would say, hey, do you know who I am when he gets pulled over for a DUI? <laughs> Dude, is it funny or sad when a 70-year-old gets a DUI? It's like, what are you going to do, man? Like, you gonna th- you going to throw that guy in jail? You know what I mean? That was the first question that popped into my head. Is, is this funny or sad? Well, if you, like, ask, if you ask Tony Larusa, he would tell you, Hey, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm a baseball guy. And that's what he said. And he, and he told the cops that you're trying to embarrass me. And, you know, it was the cops' fault for making him drink and then ma- also yeah. making him And then get also behind- making him get behind the wheel of a car. Right. Yeah. And that is squarely on the cops. So be better cops that arrested Tony Lewis for a DUI. So did you watch the video or did you see the quotes? No, I just read the quotes. I did not really. <laughs> the quotes were enough for me. Yeah. I, I could pretty much picture what this video would look like. Here's the thing: the White Sox have not fired Tony Larusa. Uh, they well, they have, just hired him. It was like a weekend. They knew they knew this when they hired him. And now look, they hired him as a consultant to the team a year ago. Yeah, and they knew about the DUIs then. Wait, he just keeps getting them. He's had two. He's had two, but the okay. second one did not come to light until after they hired him. Oh, okay. So I thought, for a year, I thought he. I, for a year, was, it was kept under wraps. I was cracking up because I thought he got hired and then got a DUI like that week. I was oh, picturing no, him no, no, celebrating no. The, the hiring. <laughs> <and> he's like, <laughs> he stumbles out to his car. He's got all his white like white socks gears on. He's got a Timmy Anderson jersey, and he drives home, and uh, the cop pulls him over. Got to be a Timmy Anderson jersey. Yeah. Um, also, in baseball news, and then we'll move on, your boy Kevin Cash won the AL Manager of the Year award. Yeah. I mean, it would have been an absolute robbery if he didn't. But there's just something funny about that. The, the, the biggest question of the entire season was that the what came in the middle innings of the final game of the season. Yeah. And it came because of the move that the AL Manager of the Year made. Yeah. That's wild. And baseball. <laughs> We're uh, NBA guys are kind of desensitized to this at this point because like Dwayne Casey, I think it was like two or three years ago. It was before Kawhi was in a Raptors uniform. Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year and got fired that year. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So n- now I know those Coach of the Award, Coach of the Year awards mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean Jack. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, let's move on to. Uh, well, I want to circle back real quick to the Falcons. They waived excellent tweeter, shitty football player, Tack McKinley. So yeah. your your overall tweet attributes on your team go down because you're not as good of a, a Twitter team anymore. Yeah. But you probably became a better football team. The Falcons waived. Uh, he was kind of a cancer. At this I point. mean, he was an absolute yeah. loser. <laughs> Tack McKinley was. He was a loser, dude. He was he a zero, dude. He wasn't good. Uh, and again, we've always said this on this podcast, Spencer, and then even before we started this podcast. If you are good, say and tweet and do whatever you want. I'm serious. Do whatever you want. But if you ain't balling. If you're not producing... And then you get on Twitter and you start bitching and moaning. Yeah. Nah, cousin, that ain't it. Gives off heavy Meek Mill vibes. 
Well, circuit, you know what I mean? at least Meek Mill produced. Yeah, a little bit. like years later. Yeah. Maybe we can hope for that kind of redemption for Tack McKinley. I hope very little for Tack McKinley. Where did he sign? He got he just got, he got outright released. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he signed yet. He got released on Monday, so you got clear waivers. I, no, it, it would he, be he got claimed. Week. He got claimed on the waivers by somebody. At forty-eight hour. Oh, so it would have been today or yesterday. Yeah, I I I just saw him in news like yesterday. Okay. I well, yeah, I, I didn't I think he was going to make it through waivers. Yeah. But I didn't know that he had already been claimed. Good Either. for the good for the Falcons. That's a good sign, dude. Well, here's the thing: if if you ask McKinley, he'll tell you that the Falcons had a chance last year to trade him for a second round pick. He'll also tell you that they had a chance this year before the trade deadline to trade him for a fourth and fifth round pick. If that is true, and we have no reason to believe that that is true, besides that Tack McKinley said it, if that is true, then holy hell, how did you miss out on getting, even if you got the fourth and fifth, that is a king's ransom. Yeah. I imagine, McKinley. I imagine get, they had those deals. Nothing I imagine they him. had those deals set up, and then the opposing team's GM just went and checked his Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's tweets don't fit our... No, 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 no. And I mean... Not what you would call a locker room guy. Yeah, they they like, they like learn pretty quickly if a player's happy in their current situation and if they're paying too much for them. That's like GM 101 from what I understand. I thought the Falcons played their best game of the year against Denver. I thought they did too, man. Uh, they looked pr- good. Pretty good Matt offensively. They, they only ran 69 plays on nice. offense, so that's nice. Nice. Uh, to the Denver's 81. Um, the Dolphins are probably the best team in football. I've said it every week. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl. They've they may won, never lose again. They've won four straight, and they are officially America's team. <laughs> I believe it. They're on. They were on the road at Arizona last week. They won by a field goal, but really they won by a hundred. It felt like. How did Tua play this week? Better. Really. Better. Yeah, but I mean, he had better numbers, and, and obviously clearly better than the first week he played when he only had like ninety passing yards. But he's a winner. The Dolphins yeah. scored on defense, and that's because of Tua. Um, you know, even though he wasn't on the field, that's because of Tua. I saw that quote. Attitude. Did you see that quote he had after the game? No, he, was, he, he has said, some pretty heady quotes. He though. said that he would never, he felt like he would never be back to where he was pre-injury, which you don't often hear a player say that. No, but like when you ask Tua something, he tends to answer. Truthfully? Yeah. I don't, for I don't, better or worse. I haven't seen that many interviews from him. I'm a fan just because I like the way he plays. I like yeah. those tiny little guys that run around real fast at quarterback. That's awesome. He doesn't but, really say anything interesting or fiery, but it's usually just, it's a little heady. Like yeah. It's like a pretty smart response. Well, that's what you want from your quarterback. But I've never heard a quarter or a player in general say, I'll never be back to where I was before. I'm just thankful that I can be here. That was like yeah, jarring. Yeah, and, and I don't know how great that is for um, – well, if you he's know. winning games as a rookie, who for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and the Dolphins are favored this week for the first time in forever. They're favored against uh, Justin Herbert. I forget who Justin Herbert is. It the Rams or Chargers? Chargers. The Rams is uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Yeah, got it. They're, they're both. They're the same thing to me. They're yeah. like Phil Simms and Boomer size. Yeah, they're way to the left of right, our map. Way out so, there to left. Yeah, your uh, your Raiders. You picked them. I uh, did. In the year, so I think either as your division champ or as a playoff team, which which I definitely picked them as a playoff team, hundred percent as a playoff team. But I think yeah. you might have picked them to win the divisions again. We'll go back and look at those, but that's turning out to be a pretty good pick, unlike my Dallas Cowboys pick. Well, I had some skin in the game. Josh Josh Jacobs is my guy on fantasy right now. Oh, so. you told me you put a futures on the no, dude, no. I was about to lose no, my no, shit. No, no, no. I actually put a futures on the Raiders to be five and three right now, and they're five and three. So. <laughs> Worked out pretty well. No. Uh, that would be so sick if you could bet like that. You lost the Clemson game last week. I won because I picked Notre Dame, and I was right, as always. That was a banger of a game, though. You also picked Florida. Like, you had a really good week. I did, week. yeah. I won. I was 8-10 uh, for 10, uh, in my pick'em pool. Well, two losses. That, that'll, that'll play both pretty in much a, anywhere. Yeah, and both of those were high school games. So, thank you, New Hampstead Islands, for screwing me on that one. Uh, I actually called. Spencer, I didn't even tell you this. I called... The New Hampshire Islands game on WSAV last week. Yeah. Pretty good high school game. Islands is 5-0 and now. They won. Islands wide receiver John Dickerson was the number one play on SportsCenter. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and that I got to call wild, it. And man. if you go back and listen to that play, ignore all the excitement, but then really listen at the end underneath and you can hear my voice. So kind of cool. <laughs> Technically, I was the number one play on SportsCenter. We'll give him a tag at the uh, on the episode. Yeah, make well, sure dude, it. it was right. You saw the play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was, was nuts. badass. Our boy, uh, our boy, head coach for Jenkins, Gene Clemens, 
uh, chimed in and was chirping me on Twitter all night because I was too too rough on the public schools in Savannah. Um, yeah, what was that all about? So if you have if you have three minutes, could you just explain that to me? Yeah, I mean, hopefully I can do it in short. I wanted to, I wanted to jump in and like so on the have broadcast, your back on on Twitter, but I didn't know I yeah. didn't know exactly what y'all were arguing about. It got heavy quick. It did. Yeah, heavy quick. But that's why I, I mean that's why people follow me on Twitter because I bring the noise. And I was gonna say something like really messed up, so I like and not like <laughs> say it seriously. So I didn't want to you know shoot yeah. my load too quick. I, I dude, I, I think I like Gene Clemens though because I like the fact that he mixes it up and that he says what he wants. I mean. More power to him. Yeah, I can't. He was mad because on the broadcast, I was, and, and not just me, uh, Greg Talbot, the sports director at WSAV, who was doing play-by-play of the game. Uh, we on the broadcast were commenting of how these were the two best public school teams in Savannah, and there really weren't many other good ones. And that was after we had called a Jenkins game, who Gene Clemens coaches. So he tweeted while we were on the bro- and while you we were on the broadcast, you don't, I don't, I can't look at Twitter for like four hours. You know what I mean? So I, I get out of the stadium and I leave Pooler Stadium and I get on Twitter to see all the scores from the night or whatever. And I see that I have 26 notifications. And I was like, holy hell. And I saw that they started with Gene Clemens saying, do you guys think the private schools in Savannah are good at football? You seem to be really down on the public schools. And essentially the argument was if the private schools had to play public schools in Savannah and football, would they be top 10 teams? The answer is without a doubt, yes. If you look at Calvary's schedule, and I know people don't care about high school football, but look at Calvary's schedule, look at Savannah Christian's schedule. Certainly, BC would be the cream of the crop in the public schools division, but you know that's not really new to people that are from Savannah. Gene Clements has been here for less than a year. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know how much. And private schools do play the public schools in the surrounding areas sometimes, sometimes yeah, yeah. But, i mean definitely not this year because of yeah. the covid thing and that's yeah. nobody's fault i everyone wishes that we could see private school versus public school in almost every sport but it'll be the same will be true when basketball comes around and it's almost always been like that there are a few public schools there are two or three public schools every year that are good at football and then there's usually one that pops up for one year yeah football the rest are shitty okay and basketball it's almost the same thing in private school there's one or two that are decent, that are pretty good. Then one team pops up and has a good year. The rest are shitty. Yeah. And usually... Pu- in public school basketball, the worst team is usually a pretty solid team. Yeah. More often than not in Savannah. That's the way it's always been. And so, but yeah, I felt like I had to explain it. Then Clemens basically just kept responding to everything I said and said, you still didn't answer the question. And I finally asked him, I was like, Gene, you have my number. I don't, I can't keep guessing what question I'm, I'm answering a lot of questions. Yeah. I guess I haven't answered the correct question yet. Well, was he, was he implying that there was like a, like he wasn't implying that there was like a racial element to it. Was it, was he? No, I don't think so. It was just public versus private. Yeah. I don't think so. And then there were, which if you've lived in the city long enough to know, you know that the private schools go out there and regardless of class size, they put on a good product usually. Like, yeah. And, or, and you know, there were people relatively. chirping that public school kids get, get recruited and, and basically, you know, brought in to these private schools and the private schools don't develop them on their own. And my answer to that is so, duh. So it, what you're saying is that they, the private schools have better players. So then you're proving my point. So pub, in the public school I didn't, kids I transfer to other public schools all the time, all the time, especially in basketball. And no one says a word all about the time. that, but and uh, which is supposed to be, Illegal, right? Like, that's not supposed to go on like that. Yeah, but, I mean, we don't have nearly enough time to be talking about the ins and outs of the GHSA and how selective and ass-backwards that organization is. Um, oh, did I just say that? Ass-backwards. Yeah. yeah, I guess I did just say It that. is an they're expletive at, show. They're ass-backwards. Explicit um, show. Did I say that right? Yeah. All right, one more thing, Spencer, and then we can wrap it up, and we'll get you guys to our interview with Russell Damasi. This is a really awesome interview. Spencer starts with a banger of a question <laughs> to Russell and, and really gets us rolling from there. Did you see that Deion Sanders, now the head coach at Jackson State, uh, historically black college, in, historic black college and university, HBCU. There we go. Gets his first four-star recruit to come into Jackson State. Gets his first four-star commitment. I believe the first four-star commitment in Jackson State program history since they started doing the stars almost 20 years ago now. It's crazy. It's almost been 20 years of the star rankings. Um, and it was Deion Sanders' son. Yeah. Who was the four-star. So that doesn't count, bro. I mean, doesn't if, it though? Like, if you get one of those guys, 
away. It's his son. Of course, he's coming to play for Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not that's not shocking, but it's still a big deal. Go get another four star recruit, and don't let it be your nephew. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's not like I didn't see like a press release where he was like, "I'm the greatest recruiter of all time," or some, you know. Yeah, well, you must not have gotten a press release. Well, I mean, it's Dion. Of course, he's gonna. Of course, he's gonna brag. Have you seen him he's on had Barstool a, at all? Dude, he's had a. I was about to say he's had a good couple months. Do you man. like him on Barstool? Not really. Neither do I. But he's gotten. He's. But I he like got, Dion Sanders, and I like Barstool. He got hired by Barstool, which is dope. And then he gets hired as a head coach. I'm wondering how that's gonna work out. Is he just gonna like do Barstool in his off season? Like, what's his deal? Yeah, yeah, they'll work around him. I mean, the NFL season will presumably be completely done i don't know if yeah i mean State is playing in the spring or not guys like vince carter have played in the league and also done espn for some time like that's not like too too far out there but i don't i don't know it's just weird to me that somebody can manage two like really stressful jobs like that I don't yeah know. yeah it'll be interesting to see but i'm not giving him credit for turning a four-star quarterback to jackson state when the four-star quarterback is your son you don't you don't you can think, send him to his room if he says no you don't think yeah, I know that's I mean, funny. Good, you don't like, you don't think him. like a three star that would go ride the bench on Clemson will instead choose to go play for yeah, Deion I Sanders? I do think that. You know what happen. I mean? I do think that'll happen at some point. They're going to be a good team in their division. Yeah, like, if you get a name like that, that's like everybody knows. We could see them on the schedule with Savannah State at some point. And we talk a little and bit. We're about gonna that have with we're gonna have our body paint on, dude, in the stands. Yeah, we are Savannah State fans. Yeah, now diehard Savannah yeah. State fans. Russell turned us. Yeah, I was already sort of a fan because I love that they, like, turned it. I mean, last year they were so much better than they've ever been before. It's nuts. I mean, it's nuts. Savannah State has been a laughing stock, and last year they were kicking the shit out of people, up and down. The Savannah field. State has been a laughing stock for my entire life, for the most part. I, I don't yes. remember a year where they were over five hundred. But hopefully, Savannah will respond, and if they keep winning, yeah. And if I know Savannah, if you win, no matter who you are. They will support you. Yeah, at some but they point. will not yeah, yeah. support they. No matter what, they will not support losing. Period. No, and that's that's just the way it goes. Um, let's end with this. R.I.P. Alex Trebek, who is the greatest game show host of all time. You see what I did there? Yeah. Nice. Alex Trebek died uh, last early last week, and people were pouring, uh, you know, old videos and, and you know old clips of of Trebek. Uh, my favorite old Trebek. <laughs> clip is uh he has three people on the panel and he's asking them that these are nfl questions football questions and the questions are really easy if you're a football fan and one one the 100 dollar question all the way down to the thousand dollar question they didn't get any of them right. <laughs> not one of them and trebek was like trebek was like you guys aren't football fans are you one of them was like uh when a punt is kicked the receiver can do th- can call for this in order to not be touched by the defensive team and he's like, what is a fair catch? That was like one of the things. Yeah. And uh, I forget, uh, there was one that was like Tom Landry was the head coach of of what famous team in the 80s and 90s. Or, and it was obviously, oh, the, Ca- yeah, obviously Cowboys. the Cowboys. Swing and a miss. All these, all these people just sat there looking at Trebek. But yeah, rest in peace to him. R.I.P., people- man. From the two greatest podcast podcast host of all time to the greatest game show host of all time yes rest in peace and god forbid if one of us were to pass away obviously no one would be able to replace us because yeah we are lessons in this game yeah no one's gonna be able to replace no alex trebek i don't think if they try something like drew carey no i'm gonna be pissed he's not bob barker bro he's not and that's he's not bob barker no he's not bob barker no you gotta automate him just like put a uh, what's what's what do they call them now? Wait, how far would you put Alex Trebek and Bob Barker? You, you would consider them light years apart. As they're pretty I, as far as host rankings. Yeah, I mean uh, Alex Trebek has the the length of time he spanned like several several eras. Is Bob Barker Mount Rushmore? For yeah, sure. Yeah, but he's like uh, Thomas. Bob Barker, uh, Alex Trebek, okay, Steve Harvey, Family Feud. I think has to be there at this point. Yeah, he's put in the time. Four slot. Ooh. Regis Philbin? Yeah, it's definitely Regis. Who That's wants to a be a millionaire? Good Mount but that that it wasn't Regis's fault that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire fell off. That just like No. That wasn't the same, you know. Yeah, I'm not putting that. Wasn't the same Regis's product. Footstep or doorstep. Uh what else? Anything else? That show was a banger for twenty years though. That yeah. was a good ass show. Uh no, I'm good there, man. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Grits. Follow me at Jadon Sports. Please, if you're listening to this, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify, you want to click that follow button at the top. 
Apple Podcasts, you want to click subscribe right away and then scroll immediately down to the bottom. Look at those stars. Ignore the one star, two star, three star, and four star, and then just click that fifth star right there. Leave a rave review um, and tell your friends about it. Only your cool friends. Until episode 36, thank you guys for listening. Stay safe and wash your hands. One second. Animals. One second. Don't forget to follow me at Spencer Maddox underscore. Oh, I always forget. Of course. And please stay tuned for our interview with Russell DeMossi, uh offensive coordinator at Savannah State University. Now finish your... We touch on a lot of stuff with yeah, us. Now so finish really your goodbyes. Stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy, filthy animals. Peace. All right, it's football season now, Spencer. No more basketball. No more baseball. So if you're in Savannah, that means one thing and one place. Coach's Corner on Victory Drive. That's right, Trav. So after you watch the Falcons break your heart, you can have a few, you know, one, one or two beers... Come back the next day, get your breakfast as well, because they got breakfast now, don't they? Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Check them out now, 3016 East Victory Drive or 912-352-2933. You can like them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you go, tell them the Hot Grits Podcast sent you. All right, we're here with Russell DeMossi. Now, Russell, the offensive coordinator, recruiting coordinator, assistant head coach, and quarterbacks coach at Savannah State University. Russ is a graduate of Savannah Christian, a Savannah native, and um, a Georgia Southern graduate as well, former Georgia Southern quarterback. And I know a big Georgia Southern fan, but an even bigger Savannah State fan since he's on the Tigers coaching staff. Russ, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. It's always good to uh, come on and talk some Tiger football, man. Yeah, Russ, what's going on, man? Hey, Spencer, good, good to hear from you too, man. Been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, so yeah. we did our research, Russ, and it turns out in high school, you said once during an interview that Madden helps you with reading defenses and uh, understanding defenses. That's still the case now. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm never going to live that one down, am I? And actually, it was my dad that said it. My dad... Uh, did an interview when I got some uh, Player of the Week award in football, and he goes, you know what, uh, video games has really helped him out, no matter what video games it was, it's helped him read defenses, uh, <laughs> helping him, helped him in basketball, understanding the game. Man, really, it's just for me about spending time around sports, um, you know, and I, honestly, Madden did play a part in it, man, it, it helped me learn, you know, when DDs are pressed, or when they're off coverage, where the safeties are, whether they're one high or two high, you know, just giving me more practice at, at, at my craft, and, you know, understanding what a defense is trying to do. Um, so, yeah, I definitely did, and I, I, you know, I took a bunch of heck from it in uh, high school. They did that right before a Calvary basketball game, and, you know, everybody, no. they, had the Calvary, the, they had the Calvary crazies, and sure enough, everybody, when I went up to shoot the first free throw in front of the Calvary crazies, pulled out a PS3 controller, <laughs> every single one of them. Carl <laughs> hit threw the free throw, the bus, hit, huh? Yeah, hit, hit the free throw and uh, hit the circle button on him, jogged back. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right, well, dude, that, that's kind of the same way I learned what a nickel defense and what a dime defense was. Was yeah, was I wouldn't Madden. know. I wouldn't know anything about football if not for Madden. Yeah, man, de- definitely, man. The game and it's evolving more and more. You know, Madden twenty one. You should see how much, how many of the plays that our offense actually runs. I mean, you know what the Ravens are doing. Um, you know, we try to emulate some of what the Forty ers are doing. I mean, we could put our we could put our playbook together and let our quarterbacks go in there, and that would be good enough for a meeting for them. They'd see all the defense they need to see. They'd run all our plays. And, you know, just give them a live rep at it. That's well, wild. a mental rep. We'll say a mental rep. All right, Russ. So we we have um, a, a kind of a few different topics to get to. We'll start with Savannah State football and, and kind of your role over there, um, especially the recruiting area. That's kind of what I'm most curious about. But we'll, I want to start with last season, 2019 was really magical. I don't think that's a, you know, an overstatement for you guys a- after moving down to division two, you lose in week one and then you kind of catch fire and, and, and really get hot. I, I don't think you guys lost to another division two team during that, that kind of run you guys had, especially going five and zero through the SEAC. Um, if you could kind of, what were some of the Memorable moments for you in 2019, and, and was it really something that you expected? Did you expect it to go that good? You know, it, it, whenever you start a season with a new head coach, man, you, you don't really know what to expect. I just knew the type of mindset and the culture that Coach Quinn was bringing. And, you know, we I, I played for him at Georgia Southern, so that's how we knew each other. And most of the guys we got over here on the offensive ball from Georgia Southern, 
you know, we, we only know one way to play. Um, and, you know, that's fast, physical, and um, with great effort. And um, we knew if we did that, we knew we'd give ourselves a chance in most of the games. Um, and that, that was our focus on offense, fast, physical, and, and play with a great great bit of effort. And I'll, I'll also, you know, uh, don't turn the ball over. You know, we knew we were going to go into the season having a good defense. Offensively, man, for Savannah State, it's been a struggle for a while. Um, we just knew we had to keep our defense out of bad situations. And that was one of the things I was most proud of our guys. You know, we finished the season with a plus 13 turnover margin. And that's honestly why the reason we were, we were seven and three. You know, we didn't put our defense in a bad spot. You said we lost that first game. Um, we went for two, um, didn't get it, lost the game by one to Florida Tech. And then we didn't lose another Division two game the rest of the season. Um, and it wasn't like we were blowing people out at the beginning either. You know, we won 14-7. We won 21-14. We won 14-7. Um, you know, we won a bunch of different ways, but it was because our guys played discipline and didn't turn the football over. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really encouraging to see, especially when the culture is bad, when you get 20 straight losing seasons, you know, you got to get the kids to believe in themselves. And I think that's the main thing we did on offense is they believed in themselves. And it really, it really showed the last three games of the season, you know, 150 points in three games. You know, I think that was the culmination of all the work we did last year. Those last three football games we played against Albany, Fort Valley, and Everett Waters, which is probably the toughest stretch of the Division II games we had. And um, we just we, we finally put it all together on offense and uh, came away with three big wins. So, Russ, last year was your first year running the option. Can you talk about that acclimation process and uh, how you feel in the system now? Yeah, um, so I've always been an option guy. Um, it was my first year getting a call, uh, the plays. Um, in an option offense, right. so that was interesting. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, but I've always been a part of option football teams. I played for Savannah Christian four straight years running the triple option under center. Uh, tried to go to Georgia Southern when we made our air raid to get away with it, but after two years, Coach Bunkin came back, um, and he installed the triple option at Georgia Southern, almost the exact same offense we ran at Savannah Christian. And um, the one thing that you know I've just come to realize is I haven't been a part of a winning football team that has not had – a run-first mentality, a downhill, run-first, vertical running game attack. And, you know, when I got the opportunity to be offensive coordinator, uh, I, obviously I like throwing the ball. You know, I'm a quarterback. I mean, I love swinging the ball around. But it was what, what, what gave our guys, the, what put our guys in the best position to win, what gave us the best chance to win as a team. And uh, after looking at it with Coach Quinn, it, it was obvious that, the you know, the spread triple, the gun triple that Fritz used at George Southern um, was going to be what we went with. And um, it, it, it paid off. Man, our guys really bought in. And I told Coach Quinn from the start, you know, this is a new system for these guys. It's not going to happen right away. And it sure didn't. You know, I told him those first couple of games, we're going to still, we got to get reps, reps, reps to be good at this stuff. Because option offense, you, you talk about the defense has got to be bliss, disciplined well. For us to be successful in op option offense, we have to be disciplined. And um, that really started again around game five and six when we played our next two Division One opponents in Charleston Southern and Alcorn. Um, we really felt like we played more consistent than we had the previous four games where we went three and one. And then, you know, two tough losses. We come out of that and we go into our last three game stretch and right there, game seven and eight, it all came together. And um, the guys just did a great job and, you know, kept with it and didn't get discouraged. And man, uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we like to tell our guys we wanted to be a track meet, man. We, we want to track meet. We're playing against the other team. We want to run up and down the field with them, whether that be in our option game or in our passing attack. You know, we want to be explosive, and, and that's what we started to be towards the end of the season, and that's what we're trying to build on now with all these practices during the fall is we, we, we became consistent. We have to keep on working at being consistent, but now we've got to find a way to be explosive, be explosive and take the game over. Yeah, for me, that was my major takeaway from you guys last year. It's not like it's not your grandpa's option offense. It's not like a uh, – I mean, you guys have the ability to do that, the ground and pound and time of possession, but mm -hmm. you guys were seemingly almost always trying to either – scheme up or set up a big play later on in the drive so that that's what i you know took away from that offense at least in year one um russ i want to take you back to december 2018 when coach rayburn the previous coach was let go in december and then you and coach quinn and and the rest of the staff which wasn't a lot of people at that time uh are tasked yeah, with, exactly yeah are tasked with putting together a recruiting class um over the next two months to sign in February, um, and then Coach Quinn is given the full-time job in March. Um, so I, I guess I wanted to ask you kind of twofold. Um, first, was it ever uh, a thought in your mind that you would be leaving when Coach Rayburn left uh, during those kind of three months where Coach Quinn was an in interim? And, and what was it like trying to piece together that first recruiting class under Coach Quinn? 
You know, man, I'll, I'll answer your first question about um, with Coach Rayburn. You know, anytime, you know, the head coach loses his job, you know, you worry about your job security. Um, you know, I, that happened on a Friday. I remember it vividly. It happened on a Friday, end of December, before Christmas, uh, before Christmas break, uh, probably three or four days. And, you know, we were all kind of shocked. You know, we, we'd been having some success. I wouldn't, you know, say it was the best in the world at Savannah State, but we were creating, you know, I think a competitive culture, and our guys were starting to buy in. And, uh, you know, Coach Raven got let go, and that happens. And, and then Coach Quinn um, took over. You know, I knew right when Coach Quinn took, took over, he's the kind of guy I want to work for. And um, immediately when he became the interim, you know, I started putting in his ear, hey, man, I want to stay with you. I want to work with you. I want to coach for you. Um, you know, because I, I, I played for the guy, and I know the guy cares about his players. And when, they, when the head coach cares about his players, man, it makes the assistant's jobs a lot easier because you can coach – and be tough on kids, and the head coach has your back. And he's always gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna take your side first. But ultimately, if it's not benefiting the kid, he's gonna get that fixed and get it right. So I knew right from them I wanted to coach for uh, Coach Quinn. Um, and uh, you know, like you said, it took three months before he came to interim. But before he got, or before he got the interim tag removed, we had to go together and put a recruiting class together, man. And it was only me, him. And two defensive guys. I was the only guy on the offensive side of the ball because the other guys had left and went with Coach Rayburn. Uh, Coach Reichel had taken the job down in South Florida. So it was me, Coach Quinn, Coach Sims, and then another DB coach. And it was just the four of us trying to put together a recruiting class. And, man, when I tell you that was the roughest recruiting season I had that January, um, I'm not exaggerating, man. I was up at 4 a.m. We don't really get hotels here to go stay in. So I was up at 4 a.m. leaving Savannah by 4.30 getting to a school three hours away where I needed to be by 7, 7.30 a.m., and then making my rounds to six schools, getting back to Savannah by 9 o'clock. You know, it, it was rough, and especially with four people, you don't get to cover the area you, you uh, really want to. But what Coach Quinn did is he made he drew a circle, and he says this all the time, 200-mile radius circle map around Savannah, and we got to make that state of Savannah. we got to win the kids in that area. And the coaches we had in that 2019 class, made sure of that and we signed 32 guys and uh, I think 13 of them were from the 912 area I don't think you can put together a much better class with four people and it was really exciting to see on signing day I really think that uh, played into coach Quinn getting the job you know he was uh, the interim tag was removed uh, less than a month later so I really believe it had something to do with him getting that full-time job that's yeah. the first recruiting class we had yeah so do, I mean so do I I was reporting on that daily it seemed like it and it, it was tough to it was tough to kind of see what the end goal was but I know that Savannah said, and you know, the administration and athletic department said as much that they interviewed other people besides Coach Quinn, and Coach Quinn was still given the job and going from interim to full time. Um, just to move into recruiting, Russ, was that something that you had to answer a lot on the recruiting trail early? Was Coach Quinn's status as interim uh, prior to him being made full time coach? Were, were guys worried about that? I think it was definitely a number one number one question, man. Um, and you'll hear a lot in recruiting, you know. Don't go to where a coach is. Go to where you feel comfortable at. Go to the school you feel comfortable at. Thank you. Um, it's 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 got to be that way because, you know, coaches can be let go. They can be fired. They can get in trouble and be gone from that school. They might not be there for the four to five years a student is here. You've got to come to a place you fall in love with the campus. You fall in love with the environment. They have the right major that you want. Um, and then most importantly, you get along with the guys on the team because ultimately, you know, you spend four hours, three hours a day with the coaches, uh, four days a week. What are you doing with the rest of your time? You're hanging out with the other guys on the team because those are the guys you associate with. You can't be miserable outside of the football field and think that you're going to have a positive experience. So we tell our guys, you know, you got to commit to the school. You got to commit to the program, commit to the major and commit to the other guys on the team before you commit to a coach. Um, and then I think, you know, on the flip side, once the kids feel like you're there for them, um, they're, they're going to buy in and they're going to do it. Regardless of if you get another job, you get fired, that, that wall won't matter to them as long as the kids know you have their best, best interests at hand. So, yes, definitely that was the top question we, uh, we received. But, we, you know, we were, we were hopeful and we, were, we really thought Coach Quinn was going to get the job and it turned out to be true. So, Russ, do you ever get any, like, off-the-wall questions from recruits? Man, you know, all the time. And, really? And, I mean, they, they'll ask – I mean, they, they want to know the ins and outs of everything that goes on in this school. You know, when is the lunchroom open? When, wh- what's there to do outside the school? What, what's it like down at the beach? What's it like downtown? You know, uh, off the wall questions. Um, yeah. 
I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't give you the craziest question I received, but I can tell you I've been stumped a few times by some parents, uh, <laughs> not just by the kids, especially by the parents. Yeah, I would imagine the parents. parents. Uh, no hold bar, man. They <laughs> will ask you whatever they think it is to, to keep their, to make sure their kid's in a good spot. And, you know, all the credit to them, man. They got to ask those questions. They leave without some of their aunt. That's why we have the recruit, recruiting weekends is to get the parents to get the kids here right. to ask the to see what they're to see what they're going to be for the next four years and to ask the questions they need to ask to figure out is it going to be a good fit for them because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I guess for for me, Russ, I, I've always seen. Well, I've seen you guys especially kind of grow into and adapt to what social media is for college athletics but specifically for college football and recruiting is it really as big of a deal um everything revolving around social media you know kind of having a presence ha having uh you know an ability to be found easily on social media is that something that is as important as it looks like definitely man um definitely and especially with coronavirus going on now um without social media we wouldn't be as far ahead in the recruiting game as we are man that the we tell our guys, social media is your new resume. When you go out after you get done with college and you apply for your job, that job, that employer is going to go back and look at the last six years of your social media use. And, and I think that's just a big deal, man. We tell our guys, if you don't think your mom would like to see it on your Twitter, you don't need to post it. Because that, that's what this is. The, the social media is everybody's way to get to know you. It's how do you think? How do you act? What are you doing in your spare time other than football? Social media can tell you all of those things. So we got to be on our A game. The coaches got to be watching what they tweet, uh, making sure they're tweeting, going after the recruits, making sure they're liking the things to get the recruits interested in us. Um, so it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal to these kids. And then on top of that, they love what we figured out. They love the graphic. It, it don't matter if they're even thinking about coming to your school or not. If you get them a picture with their jersey on it saying official offer or saying official visit coming up this weekend, they're – uh, their interest in you goes up tenfold. It is absolutely, it, it's absolutely crazy. So we've got to be on the top of our game with that. You know, we just hired a director of football ops, um, Savannah Hoffman. She's been doing a great job with us with our recruiting, with our Twitter, keeping us up to date on social media. And um, I just expect she's going to bring us to a whole new level in that area to get those recruits interested in, in us in the first place. So Russ, let's talk about that process of signing an option quarterback. How would you have signed? Let's say yourself back in twenty the two thousand seven, I think it was. Yes. How how would Russell recruit Russell back in two thousand seven to Savannah State? Well, I'll tell you this: Ru I, Russell probably wouldn't have got recruited because he needed a sundial to get timed in his forty. Um, that would be that would be the first deal. Um, you know, I played in a triple option offense, um, but to me, I'm going. I'm looking at guy their individual skill set, um, what offense they played in. Um, if they play both sides of the ball, that doesn't really matter to me. What I'm looking for is option quarterback. First thing I'm obviously looking for is toughness. You know, is it a guy that's going to get up off the ground with some energy or is he going to be on the ground for a little bit after he gets hit waiting for his offensive lineman to come pick him up? Now, option quarterback, you spend a lot of time on the ground. When you're not on the ground, when you're popping up from a hit, it gives that, it gives the rest of the team that confidence in you that you're going to get up every time. Hey, man, they need to do it as well. So I think the first thing I look for is, is toughness. Obviously, in the option offense, um, you know, we were last year, we were 80 or 78% run, 22% pass. So obviously the ball is going to be on the ground a lot. We look for a guy with great athletic ability, you know, a guy that can score in any play. And my old, uh, college coach used to say this. I want a guy that can go the wrong way and can score at quarterback. That could, that takes away a lot of my headaches because he, he could do the wrong thing on a play. He cannot read the right guys, but he's so athletic. He's going to make somebody miss and he's going to go get it done. He's going to get us takes down the field, get us in the end zone. Um, so obviously those first two things, toughness and obviously athletic ability. I do want to see accuracy um, in his arm strength, his arm accuracy. I'm not too much worried about arm strength because a lot of our passing game is timing. We don't throw the ball 50 yards downfield. So as long as you're getting the ball out on time and you're accurate, um, I really value that a lot more over arm strength. Um, and then last is, is character. And really I should put that first. We're not going to recruit a guy that has bad character at quarterback. You know, the quarterback is the face of the program. He's essentially the coach on the field. He's got to be able to handle adversity the right way. Not whining, not moaning, not complaining, but he's got to, when things are going wrong, he's got to get everybody, put a foot in their butt, and get them going the right way. And, um, you know, not a kid without character can't do that. Um, and obviously that we can go, we can learn about character by going in and talking to your coach, 
talking to your parents, talking to yourself, but I, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit. A lot of the times, the people I want to talk to is the teachers. How do they act in class? Are they attentive? Are they sitting in the first three rows? Or are they sleeping? Are they on their phone? Are they a distraction? Guys that are a distraction off the field, generally, 99.9% of the time, are not going to come onto the field and do something different than they do off. So we really want to eliminate that in our recruiting. The first thing we look at for everybody is character and grades, man. And, uh, you know, if you give us a transcript that, you know, I mean, below a 2.7, 2.6, hey, man, it's going to be hard to get in Savannah State. You really cut yourself off from being recruited by us because of what you've done in the classroom. And uh, I think that's a really big deal. All right, Russell, we just got a few more for you. But first, I want to shout out one of our sponsors, Braddy Electric. Since 1970, Braddy Electric has been serving Savannah in industrial, residential, and commercial electrical needs. Call them today at 912-232-3240 or visit them at 1104 East 35th Street. Um, Russ, have you been able to watch a lot of college football in 2020 given, you know, I, I know you guys are still doing a lot preparing for a spring 2021 over at Savannah State, but I, I'm imagining you've been able to watch more college football than any other year in the past, um, and especially your alma mater, Georgia Southern. Yeah, uh, honestly, man, Saturday's weird for me right now. Um, I'm used to getting up, getting ready. To, as soon as I get up, coming to breakfast, uh, doing breakfast with the team, doing a walkthrough after, getting ready for our game that afternoon. Um, now I'm waking up on Saturday morning, and my wife's asking me, what are we going to do on Saturday? And I'm really, I, I'm really still confused. Like, I get to watch a lot of college football but it's not what I'm used to doing. I'm used to being out there on the sidelines, being on a Saturday, being on the sidelines. Um, so it's, it's definitely different for me. But, yes, uh, I've watched the most college football I've watched uh, since since probably high school, since probably high school, um, since, I got, since I got done with my playing days at Georgia Southern. Um, really, it's been beneficial for us. You know, as a staff, we're texting all day Saturday, watching what other people are doing, seeing what schemes fit, our, fit us, um, what could potentially be good for us, what could potentially be bad for us if, if somebody's doing something a different way. We're always trying to learn and trying to get our guys in a better position to be successful. Um, and again, like you said, yeah, I spend most of my days on Saturdays watching Georgia Southern, watching my alma mater. Really good to see them at five and two right now. And, um, you know, things trended up for them. Can't wait to see what they do this weekend. So, Russ, do you all have any kind of practice right now? Or are, you, are you meeting regularly yes. with the players? Okay. Yeah, so we are actually in a spring fall ball right now. We get 15 practices just like we would if we were doing spring ball. Gotcha. Um, we started three weeks ago. This is our fourth week, so we just got finished with our 10th practice this morning. Um, got two more this week, um, and then the last three next week before our kids leave for Thanksgiving break. Uh, but it's just good to get back out there in the field, man, and do and do, and, 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 and be play football, man. That, that's yeah. what our guys love. Um, you know, they're obviously here to get their degree um, and then play football, but Man, they, they, they're, they're eager to get out there. And those first six weeks we were just working out, you know, it, it was tough to keep those guys engaged. Now that we're back out there on the football field, uh, being able to practice, being able to hit, being able to uh, you know, actually compete, you know, we see a lot more happy faces around campus, man. And it's, it's just really exciting to be out there and get better and continue to grow. Because that's what we don't get the opportunity to go and compete against somebody else. We have to compete against ourselves every day. And um, if we can get better every day doing that, I, I have no doubt in my mind that when we actually get to the competition point, that we'll be ready. So I wanted to ask you, I've, I've been wondering about this in every sport. What's it like with the day-to-day COVID restrictions that you guys have to deal with? Uh, do, you, do you find yourself end up being like COVID police for the players? How engaged are you in that process? Because it's got to be uh, tough. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We have, to, we have to be the voice of reason with that, um, you know, because – Naturally, 18 through 22-year-olds, they're not going to do everything that CDC or the guidelines that we're being asked to follow. Yes. They're, they're going to forget here and there. They're going to forget their mask. You know, they're going to forget we need social distance, be six, yard, six feet apart during meetings. Um, so we, we have to stay on top of that, and we have to make sure everybody's staying as safe as possible because that's ultimately what, what it's about is we've got to keep our players safe and healthy. And, um, so you got these guys, do you have these guys working out in masks? Uh, no, we have a we have a six feet policy within the weight room. Um, I don't. I'm actually not allowed in the weight room, so that would be our strength and conditioning trainer that would have to answer that question. I haven't been oh, in the wow. weight room all semester because of that. Um, so I haven't seen any pictures or anything like that. Uh, I know they've got a six feet distance. Um, and up until three weeks ago, we were actually only allowed to have 20 people in a hundred person weight room at a time. Wow. It was recently bumped up to 32 people, I think, probably two weeks ago. But it's going to continually be. It's going to continually be small pods of groups working together, um, not 
all of the football team together at the same point other than at practice, which is very different for us because we're used to being having our team together at all uh, everything we do, man, everything we do. So this is a little bit different. It's a lot more logistically challenging too. You know, I can't just have one one meeting with my position groups. I have to have two to three now to fit in the office that we're in to make sure we're we're, we're socially distanced. We have to clean the offices after everybody leaves before the next group's in. We have to wipe down everything that we use, everything that the players touch. I mean, we we have to be we have to be the COVID police right now, and it's what we signed up for. We know that's our job, and um, you know we're not complaining about it. And we're just going to keep on trying to do the uh, best job we can do and keep our guys safe. All right, Russ, just a couple more minutes with you if, if you have time. Um, yeah. For you, uh, you, you started at Savannah State in 2015, and, and you worked your way. I mean, anyone that looks at kind of how you've advanced through, you know, the, co- the coaching staff, just working your way up through different titles, um, to now you're the assistant head coach and, and recruiting coordinator, offensive, co-offensive coordinator. Is it your goal to one day be the head coach of a college football program, or, or, or do you have – sort of other career aspirations? Have you thought that far down the line? Uh, you know, I think that's – it's always been my goal to be a head coach. Um, and that, that just comes from my dad. Um, seeing him on the sidelines growing up, he was a high school head football coach. Um, and I wanted to be a high school head football coach originally. Um, what, what, what drove me to the college game, actually, is what you guys talked about earlier is recruiting. Um, I thought it was really cool that college coaches got to recruit and pick the players they wanted to play for them. Um, and that's what actually pushed me into college. Um, and then as you say, yeah, yeah, I think definitely one day I want to be head coach, but I'm taking it one day at a time. I try and do the best, best job possible each and every day that I'm here. And, um, I think the people that I've worked for have seen that and have rewarded me, you know, with, uh, different titles and different responsibilities. And, um, I just want to keep making them proud and, and doing things the right way for them because, you know, I, they obviously saw something in me, um, with the way I was working and, um, that this is the way things should be. And uh, like you said, I just got the uh, assistant head coach title uh, two weeks ago. I'm very grateful to Coach uh, Quinn for, um, you know, giving me the respect for that title. And um, I just want to make sure uh, I, I do all the work necessary uh, that, that comes with that job. And uh, hopefully one day it'll keep, uh, it'll keep leading to uh, bigger, uh, bigger opportunities. But for right now, man, I'm, I'm happy to be at Savannah State. And uh, I love what I'm doing. I love working with this offense and I uh, love working with the coaching staff. Ross, we can't let you go without asking at least one or two questions about about your pops, Carl Demasi, sort of a local <laughs> sports legend. And you said that that he was the one that kind of, you know, whether he knew it or not, was kind of showing you what being a head coach was like. But do you ever stop and think how crazy your dad is and how much he grinds, given that he's coached like every sport, uh, male and female? It seems like he's coached at every school, uh, at least in Savannah, maybe even in in the United States. Is that something that you still look at? Because I know I still look at the, the way your dad goes about things and the way he grinds and everything he does. And it, it is sort of motivational. Is that something you still look at and kind of are surprised by? Yeah, no question. Like you said, surprised. Um, I don't know how he does it. Um, he brings energy to every single uh, job, responsibility, whatever it is. He brings 100% energy every time. And for a guy with eight jobs, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you know, he's getting up. He's going to teach phys ed health in school. And it's not PE class. He teaches the in-class phys ed health, the anatomy of the human body to ninth and tenth graders. Um, he, he thinks that he thinks health and <laughs> he thinks health is the number one most important thing that is taught in school. And he brings pride to that, man. You see, he works more on his grade book than he does on his playbook for basketball. I mean, he takes super pride in teaching and he's a teacher first. A coach second. There's no question about that. He he's made that clear from day one since he's been in Savannah. Um, and then, like I said, the the, the basketball, the girls' softball, the girls' soccer. Um, you know, he he does uh, in-house school suspension on Saturdays. He does a, a a Facebook live show on Wednesdays. He does a Facebook live show on Sundays. He does some other show. He's up till he gets he's out of the house at six. He's back home at seven, and he's up till twelve working on his three radio shows. I don't know how he does it. But I try to emulate it, and that that that's that's really all I can do. And uh, I can't ask for a better role model. Um, and you know, you can see by the way when a player that has played for him comes back and sees him and talks to him, how much respect they have for him. Maybe at the time the kid didn't show as much respect, but once they get done, they all seem to understand what he was trying to do for him and what he was trying to instill instill in them. And I just think that's so cool. I love when a former player or a former or even a former student 
comes up, sees him, and shakes his hand, and uh, tells me he misses him, and uh, you know what what an effect he had on his life, and uh, that's just that's really special to me, and um, I appreciate him for showing me that. Yeah, Carl gets after it. He's done a lot for us too. Now we just gotta uh, teach him how to say words like Aquinas and and, <laughs> and other and other stuff like that. When, uh, he, when he first introduced uh, the show, Russ, he called me Stephen Maddox. That was, oh man, he, you, he's great with names. Like, I, <laughs> let me tough. tell you, that was the best with names. If he wasn't, if he wasn't looking at me, I'm not sure he'd remember my name, man. So don't, don't feel too offended <laughs> by it. Uh, he, 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 believe me, he, he cares nothing but about the students and the, and the coach or the players that he's teaching. And uh, the pronunciation might not show it, but uh, he means it, man. He means it. All right, Russ. Well, that's all we got for you. I wanted to let you kind of tell people what's coming next for Savannah State, and then let them know how they can follow you guys, um, especially on Twitter. Yeah, so we're finishing up um, spring fall football um, next Thursday. Obviously, it's a closed scrimmage because of uh, COVID regulations. Um, right after that, our guys leave and they're off uh, for Christmas break. Their Thanksgiving break is going into Christmas break, so they won't be coming back on campus. Next time they'll be back on campus is uh, January 13th, and then we'll get into our next phase of recruiting and weightlifting. And, uh, you know, the plan is right now the SEAC just um, – said that uh, schools within the conference can uh, play games and they won't be sponsoring a championship. So hopefully here shortly we'll be uh, talking about scrimmages or other games we'll be able to play. Um, we don't have any set in stone yet, but we're trying to find ways for our guys to compete. That, that's the biggest thing, man. A year out of competition for our guys that, um, you know, a lot of other people are getting to compete. We've got to find a way to get them that opportunity, and that's what we're going to try and do. Um, and hopefully that will be sometime February, March, um, next spring, and hopefully we'll get a bunch of practice in. And then get ready for, to play uh, next fall, man. Get back into the swing of things and back into the normal way of life and the real football season. Um, but we're, we're just really proud of our guys, man, the way they've handled themselves throughout this uh, pandemic back on campus. Um, without, without a lot of motivation, staying locked in, staying focused, and uh, getting better, getting better. And really looking forward to uh, competing with them as, as soon as we get that opportunity. All right, awesome, Russell. Yeah, we're wishing you guys luck. Um, we expect some free swag and some Savannah State swag this spring so we can come out and support you guys. Come on by, man. You know Coach Quinn is the shirt master. He's got some shirts for you guys with your name on Yeah, we decided we're going to be diehard Savannah State guys. You should have been that way anyway. You're from Savannah, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's my bad for not jumping on the, on the train sooner. You ousted yourself hey. there. <laughs> hey, man, that's what we're trying to do, man. We're trying to get all of Savannah interested, in, and, and you guys have me on. That's even going to add to it, so I, I appreciate you guys more than you know. Awesome, Russ. Well, hey, we'll talk soon, bud. Thanks hey, for coming. Have a great show, night. Russ. I'll see you on the golf course here soon, Travis. Yeah, man. All right.